Welcome to Guys Without Helmets, a podcast all about pro and fantasy football. My name is Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my guys, Josh and Caleb. Guys, it happened. Took a lot of weeks in the NFL, but by golly, the lowly Lions are victorious. Take a listen to this. First victory of the year on the line. Goff's got it. Back, looks, throws, and yes! caught! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! They did it! Armand Ross St. Brown in the receiving end! Oh, they're rushing the field! They've done it! Three zeros on the clock! This game is over! It's over! Jared Goff to Amon Ross St. Brown! His first career touchdown! And how big is that? I mean, the Lions have been in almost every game this year, other than a few. They've been very competitive for their record, being what is it now? One ten and one. Some crazy number. <laughs> There's no winless teams anymore in the National Football League. So lucky thirteen. And it's a divisional game, like we we've been saying for the Lions since the last two games were divisional games. That th- this could be the week. This could be and the it week. It finally happened. We can finally stop betting on the Lions. Whew, it's over, y'all. We can finally. And now they got their one win, and we can all move two, on. Two two games without a loss. I know. Ooh. Is this an upgrade for the lowly Lions or no. what? That's exciting. Uh, Thursday night started off with a bang. The Dallas Cowboys in what turned out to be turnover fest there at the end. That was kind of a... Well, the, the Saints bang. had three of their O-linemen hurt, and they were playing on their arguably third-string quarterback, Taysom Hill, who excuses, hurt. Excuses. And they were giving the ball to any Cowboy on the defense who wanted it, apparently, at the end. 27-17 Cowboy victory. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers went on the road and beat at the Atlanta Falcons 30-17. to Um those Cardinals guys, they're oh, healthy. They're sorry. loaded. I just wanted to say that Tom Brady is now ten and zero against the Falcons in his career. Oof. Couldn't let him beat him this time. He had to keep the the, <laughs> the records alive. going. I mean, even in the Super Bowl, he couldn't let that happen. Greatest comeback. Is yeah. it is it fair to say at this point, to be perfectly honest, Tom Brady's looking like an MVP type of player? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no resistance. That's it. Twenty years and the there's making. like three dudes that are in the conversation. That's it. It's been but he's a pretty st- down year. Well, he's statistically on top Compared of the league. Compared to last year. Just about yeah. Last year was that. crazy. Yeah, Arizona is healthy again, at least mostly. They win in Chicago 33-22. The game I really enjoyed because I love watching Herbert come to life is, uh, and, you know, we've been doubters that the Cincinnati Bengals are, in fact, the real deal. Anyway, um, the Chargers were able to beat them 41-22. to That was interesting game. Yeah, I mean, I, sh- I believe Joe Burrow has 14 interceptions now at this point. One of them this game was not his fault. It was... Uh, Jamar, fault. Jamar Chase's fault. No. Where the uh, what'd you call it? it was, I said I said uh, he fumbled it for an interception. He fumbled it in the air. Yeah, he, he said, fumbled yeah, it in the air. Something like that. But he basically it hit his hands and it was in his hands for about half a second. And then the defender was clearly behind him. He could have had a sixty-yard touchdown, and the ball just came right out into the hands of the defender right behind him. Yeah, we've on this podcast have not been as high as on Jamar Chase as everyone else has in sports media, especially. We think that he's good. We don't think he's that good. And as we saw in preseason, he does struggle with drops a lot. And he does get a pass because he's a rookie, as everyone would say, when he does something bad. But when he's good, he's Randy Moss. So there's no in-between. Yeah. He's a good rookie receiver. He will be a good receiver in this league. He is not elite. He's not DeAndre Hopkins. He's not Randy Moss. He's good. He makes mistakes. He's a good receiver. Yeah, the problem is it makes it sound like we absolutely hate him, but that's not the case. We do think he's a great receiver. We just don't think that he's this next up-and-coming, as you said, Randy Moss-type player. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. It was good. Like I said, Herbert 
watching him effortlessly throw the ball the way he does, it's exciting to watch the second-year quarterback absolutely gunsling. Yep, Keenan Allen got in for his uh, annual multi-touchdown game. <laughs> you knew it was that. coming. So now we know in the next three games he's not going to score because he doesn't score many touchdowns, unfortunately, but this was a big game for him. And Mike Williams as well, who had a high yardage total in this game, over 100 yards. Big Mike. Big Mike. And like we said, moving on, uh, Minnesota was unable to beat the Lions. Kind of sad. Mike's uh, fire Mike Zimmer. Fire Mike Zimmer. We've been that's our beating next the drum all right year. About the bi weekly play down to the team you're playing against. Like you can only take so many rejected Cowboy defenders and add them to your team, Mike Zimmer. That well, just was, doesn't work. I'm, I'm going to talk more about this later when I talk about Kirk Cousins. But the Lions, every single game except for one, which was when they blew out Seattle, it was one, a one possession game. No matter who they're playing, if it's Arizona, they lose by one point. If it's Detroit, they win by two points. If they if it's Baltimore, they lose by three points. Everything is one possession. They one play drive. they play up and down to who they're playing. Yeah. They're not a good team because of their coach. Well, this was a great matchup because that's also what the Vikings have been doing as well. They've been basically winning on last drives because of Kirk Cousins, and they couldn't do it this game because they weren't able to score in the last drive. But the, obviously, the Lions got the ball last, and Amon Ra St. Brown finally showed up, eighty yards and a touchdown to end the game on their first win. I think the tragedy is as much as the Lions got on top of you know it looked like the Lions game from the beginning. And then Kirk had this great turn of events and looked like they were coming. And then ultimately, let's give it to Jared Goff because he did that drive. He led that drive confidently, and he took it away from Kirk Cousins. It was 20-6 to six at the half, and it ended 29-27. So Kirk Cousins covered a three-touchdown margin and yeah. a half. Really outstanding play by Kirk Cousins this year, really. He's been playing really well. He gets trashed. It's on. just unfortunate that Mike Zimmer is terrible at coaching. Yeah, he needs to go. I think the problem is as well is – how good the players are on the defense for the Vikings is they still couldn't hold on to this. I know they created two turnovers from Jared Goff at the end of the game, and the Lions still ended up with the ball. So the offense really didn't put anything together towards the end of the game. There were a lot of big yardage plays from Justin Jefferson. We know he's the wide receiver one from this week. And Alexander Madison played well. I just don't know what exactly happened. I know there's a fumble from his blind side that he couldn't see. That's been the problem, and we know that Christian Darisaw was in this game. So when they get Christian Darisaw back, it should be a lot smoother on offense. Yeah, I believe they had both of their tackles out and one yeah. guard. So it was really hard, especially what we saw at the Saints and the Cowboys. It's really hard to do anything on offense when you have three starters out, and you have a rookie starting, practice squad player starting. It's really hard. Yep, and we also can't leave this game without mentioning that um, – Adam Thielen left this game with a high ankle sprain. He might be out for the next couple of games, but yeah. he basically didn't play at all in this game. I believe he had zero catches, zero yards. Yeah, it was, thanks for reminding me. Yeah, Sorry. fantasy hunters beware. <laughs> a couple games we're going to glaze over, and then we're going to stop. Uh, Denver was no match for Kansas City. Kansas City now on the winning side for sure. Of course, Tua continues his win streak. They beat the New York Giants. Five in a row. 20-19. to 19. Well, let's land here for a second. The Philadelphia Eagles do not have their starting quarterback. Hertz is out. They bring in the uh, the very famous uh, mustache there, Garner Minshew, and he goes absolutely insane, and they beat the Jets. No surprise, it's the Jets, first of all. So I'm not going to celebrate that too much. It is the Jets. But he looked effective. In fact, he looked very good playing in the starting role. Yeah, I mean, we know that he's a very smart, he's a quality player in this league, but we saw time and time again that he's not going to be a long-term option for a team as of now. But I think what you see that he did, he, we don't have this thing that we did last time where Nick Foles played very well, and they were like, why are we getting rid of Nick Foles? We have Carson yeah, Wentz, yeah. whatever. Don't do that again. Gardner Minshew is a backup right now. We'll see if he gets another opportunity. But, yeah, I think that's – don't put too much speculation on yeah, it I think right the now. biggest com- outcome of this game was um, that we keep forgetting is it was it was the Jets. 
Yeah. <laughs> like I said, we can only celebrate. <laughs> but Dallas so Goddard really played out of his mind this game. He was he mossy did. on people. He was wide open on his routes, and Gardner just hit him. So it was a great game when you're playing from the lead, When you're especially when you're tight in as two touchdowns in the first half. Yeah, and it was a great way to respond because there was a turnover as well as a long return from Braxton Berrios that got set up those two touchdowns from the Jets. And uh, that's really what got them started at the beginning of the game. They basically had all their points in the first half, and then the Eagles responded with 33. Yeah, and of course, the, the Colts have been definitely a team to watch this year. 31-0 over the Texans, no surprise there. Also, don't forget that the Washington Redskins had their hands full, but were able to take football care of the Washington football team. man. The Washington canceled, football team. Bro. Oh, did I say it again? I'm just yep. kidding. Yeah. I'm the worst. You're just old. I am old. I can't get it out of my veins. <laughs> Sorry. One thing I want to add. For Hold on. We got to talk about the Colts because Josh loves yeah, Jonathan. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, what I want to add <laughs> importantly for Texans fans is that Davis Mills will probably be starting. There's a finger injury from Tyrod Taylor. Oh. He also was playing terrible in this game as they scored zero points. Davis Mills, I believe, had two or three short drives, but he should be the starter for the next couple of games, maybe the rest of the season if he plays well. I still don't understand. We talked about it weeks ago, why they would take a rookie who seemed to be slowly getting a little better. I mean, he had three touchdowns against Bill Belichick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Let me say this again. The Washington football team was able to handle the Las Vegas Raiders. See, that's another one. I could have called them right there. Los Angeles or Oakland, because like you said, I'm old. Uh, but 17-15, uh, Washington football team wins. Jacksonville Jaguars still struggling, but in fairness, LA Rams are a high power team. They came in and beat them 37 to 7. Our boy OBJ with a slow start in this game as well. Can we talk about how Urban Meyer is awful? I know, uh, I know, I, hey, it's our I know their defense has been good here and there for the most part. I know they just played a really it, good it's offense. It's the same team that Doug Marone left. Yeah, I'm saying <laughs> his, his responses to questions after the game were never, they're never answers. He's just saying stuff like James Robinson fumbled. We know he basically got flipped over by Aaron Donald and got the ball stripped out of his hand, which you shouldn't bench a guy for that. It's Aaron Donald. Hold on to the ball more, whatever, whatever. He shouldn't be benched for Carlos Hyde because of that. And Urban Meyer's response was, I don't know, it's the running back coach's decision. You're the head coach. You should have control of what your starting running back is doing. And I just think there's a problem here for the offense. He's not providing much for Trevor Lawrence here. And they have plenty of weapons we saw. They're just not doing anything on offense. I got to say, the absolute best coach response has to go to the bills this week because if you, we'll jump to there in a second but i just want to say his interview was terrible and instead of being uh respectful of bill belichick and being out coach he basically was like never mind what belichick did how about if we had an average starting point and he went on all these numbers it's like we should have won <laughs> you didn't make your case at all you yeah. lost to a team who threw three times we'll I talk know. about that in a minute yeah we're Let's coming we're getting there we're getting there but the rams easily handled jacksonville uh and urban meyer's terrible defense as josh would say here's a surprise pittsburgh was able at home to beat the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah. You hear the crickets, y'all? That's Baltimore not knowing how to beat Pittsburgh. Yeah, they have like a 32% um, touchdown percentage in the red zone now. They started at the beginning of the first six weeks. It was like 86%. They scored every time they went to the red zone. Now they can't score at all. Yeah. Yep. I want to talk about the Ravens a little bit more. But what I want to talk about is how Marlon Humphrey, he now has a torn pectoral. He's out for the rest of the season. And uh, their secondary did not know what to do when he was not playing towards the end of the game. And when he was not on Deontay Johnson, they also got mixed up as well. We saw Deontay had a large game. Basically, every score was from Deontay, and every time they got a field goal chance and everything like that was because of Deontay Johnson. Their secondary is very much so hurt as they lost Marcus Peters. There's already backup starting the whole year. It's a rough secondary for this team, and it's sad when the best player on the Ravens this week was Devonta Freeman. Well, stay tuned in our next segment, Inside the Stash. Josh is going to talk a little bit more about the Ravens. Yeah, one thing that I thought was funny was um, John Harbaugh was talking after the game, and they said, what happened? He said, we ran out of corners. <laughs> they don't have anyone playing <laughs> And running corner. backs. And, 
Really wow. Devontae Freeman's actually playing really well. He is playing well. Yeah, I think Tony. I think Romo- he was just out of football shape at the beginning of the year, and now he finally took the backfield from everybody. Because Latavius happens. Murray is healthy now. And he's when you leave the Falcons, yeah, no, imagine but that. <laughs> life after the Falcons. Tony Romo was talking about it on the broadcast. He's like, "This is the best I've seen Devonta Freeman in probably four years." Well, and, that, and I, you can agree. Just imagine J.K. Dobbins there next year, one of the most efficient backs Six we've seen out of college. Carry. Just Woo. imagine, it's going to be beautiful. To wrap this segment up, uh, we saw San Fran come in and lay an egg against Seattle. They were able to win 30-23, to 23, and Seattle's not playing good football. Right? George Kittle went off, though. Kittle did go, and it's still lost. And it wasn't because of Jimmy G. Jimmy G dumped it off, and Kittle just took off took for it two to the head, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy G's terrible. Yeah, but Kittle. Kittle <laughs> covers a multitude of sins. Let's Jimmy G should be laughing at the bank because he made over $100 million, barely doing anything for this team. I'm sure he laughs every time a check rolls in. Oh, yeah. He's I think the money. biggest <laughs> question of this game is they had – Basically, run options that they could have ran with their mobile quarterback they just drafted that they don't use. They ran Jimmy G on run options, and everyone's questioning why. They could have got him in range to score. I think that's the biggest question from this game, but they obviously lose in a playoff or a contending team in yeah. their division. Yeah, and that's, you know, we, we were watching the, uh, the Monday night game, and we realized I just want to say this. I, I was talking to someone today about this. Good coaching is good coaching. And we've said week after week, it's hard to beat the old ball coach. Belichick knows what he's doing. And he's doing this with a team that, well, let's face it, every year he doesn't show up with the best squad, and somehow he wins. And right now he's got a team that's 9-4 and four that just took over the division. Took, took over the conference. Took over the conference, okay? Yep. We're going to talk a little more about that too. But They're second in the league. It, as you said, Kale, with throwing three passes. They And I'm pretty sure the first pass, which was a miraculous was catch, overthrown. I'm pretty sure Coach was screaming at him for throwing it. So it's probably he only wanted him to throw two. And, but no. here's what I'm saying about coaching. <laughs> Everybody, you know, who and hollered about McCarthy and his decision to abandon the run when Dallas opened the season against the Buccaneers, and it worked. They almost beat the defending Super Bowl champions. That's good coaching. Now everyone is kicking and screaming about Belichick deciding not to pass the ball in a 50-mile-an-hour swirling Bills stadium. Sorry, guys, that's good coaching. The coach knows what he's doing. And to see, I actually told Josh at one point, I'm like, I think I'm going to bed. New England's going to win this game. Yeah. And it was out of yeah, hand. There's only, I believe, three fantasy relevant players in this game. It was Gabe Davis, Damian Harris, and Ramondre Stevenson. And that was it. No one really had over no. five points because they weren't doing anything. They couldn't. They couldn't throw the ball. They had to run. There was just, that was it. There's only three touchdowns scored. We're going to talk more about the Bills in a few minutes, but is it is it safe to say that they had their opportunities many the times yeah, yeah, last night to win this football game? They had plenty. But the worst part is, we talked about it again last night, uh, they're in cover zero. It can't stop the well, run. Yeah, that's their problem. Is that They w- knew it was coming. This, yeah. <laughs> this, is what, this is what you saw against the Titans, is how Derrick Henry had a large game. We know Derrick Henry is different than then Damian Jonathan Harris. Jonathan Taylor came and destroyed them. Yeah, and yep. Ramondre Stevenson. They can't stop the run. But the problem no. is, is you see Micah Hyde is the guy that's stopping all these large runs. Basically, he's the only guy in the secondary. He stops the runner most of the time. He's very good. Stops the runner, and it stops those large runs, and that's what they depend on. But Micah Hyde was not there that one Damian Harris run, and he was just free. Just straight up 64 yards. Guys, that was painful. I mean, and I get the win. I, I love some of the. If you watch some of the videos, the goalposts, if you can see the whole, they're they're wobbling in opposite directions. I'm surprised that Nick Folk kicked the ball. I know. I he know. made a field goal. Yeah, but I think the largest thing is Bill Belichick recognized what the scenario was, and he immediately went for two point conversions. He immediately went for it on fourth down. He didn't kick f- extra points when we needed to. Yeah. Obviously, one field goal, but 
beyond that, the, the it was like the, a forty-five yarder too. Yeah, the bill, the Bills were still attempting field goals. I know Tyler Bass missed like a thirty-yarder or something like that because of the wind. They just didn't adapt quite well, and they had plenty of drops to go with this game. I think the worst well. part of the game was hearing Steve Levy talk about Tyler Bass every like every time he does. Yeah. Swaggy Bass, was he yeah. calling? Yeah. What they, was the outcome on our Instagram? <laughs> Who actually listens to Peyton and Eli over? What was the, that mix? Did you get a number off that? It was pretty even. Yeah. That was a couple weeks ago, but it was pretty even. The funny part for me is hearing actual, like, Dan Patrick. He mentioned, he referenced Peyton and Eli, which implies him and the Danettes are not watching ESPN's broadcast anymore. Yeah. It's painful. The worldwide leader is not doing a great job. They're I just, had... Was it Brian Greasy, this one? Oh, Brian yeah. Greasy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Him explaining how to throw a ball lower when it's windy. It's like, why, why are you no. showing us this? No. It, you got to have a C formation and then a U formation. <laughs> uh, like, they just have to not throw ship. the ball. While Mac Jones isn't throwing the ball. Yeah, they, <laughs> yeah, no. It's hilarious. But, you know, as it's turned out, we have some division leaders that are 8-4 and four in the AFC in every division except for... The New England Patriots at nine and four. They have taken the lead from the Bills, and it looks like these two guys are probably going to finish out the year on top of that division. Yeah. Besides that division, I think the only other division that's really locked up, as we know, one or, one of these two teams is going to be leading the division. The Colts or the Titans will be taking away the South. The Jags and the Texans don't really have a chance, unfortunately, at two and ten. The West completely up in the air, and the North completely up in the air, especially with all their divisional games coming up right now. Yeah, and, and and like you said, it looks like some of them are certainly going to be um, locked in. And some that NFC, uh, I'm sorry, that AFC West, eight and four Chiefs, seven and five Chargers, six and six on the bottom two. I mean, is it safe to say that one's still up for grabs? Yeah, especially if the Raiders can go in against the Chiefs and win. They're one game behind in that division as well with a divisional win. Yeah, when you look at the NFC, the Cardinals look like they have that locked up. Two wins over the Rams, mm-hmm. and they beat them. Have they played twice already, or they play one more time each other? That's a great question. Don't they, I, they play this week? Yeah. 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 So it's the second time. Yeah. I think if, they, especially if the Cardinals win this game against the Rams, they lock their division. Yeah. 100%. And then you look at Dallas, Washington, and the Eagles are both creeping up. Yeah. And we play, I believe Washington plays only divisional games the rest of the year. So they could, if they win out, they could sneak yeah, in the, the whole, playoffs. The whole NFC East plays a ton of divisional games towards yep. the end. But I know that for a wild card, at least, San Francisco 49ers have one of the easiest schedules yep. in the entire league. I know they play Atlanta, so. Yeah, uh, let me pull it up. I'm not beating very up on quickly. <laughs> um, they play. They play Cincinnati, Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston. An injured Tennessee, Atlanta, Houston, and Cincinnati. Those what? are all winnable games for this team with Cincinnati coming this week. And after that, very easy. If they can win what? out, they can clinch a wild card spot, mainly because the Vikings have stalled out. Yeah. Let's talk about the NFC South. Yeah. Everyone's I'm, five and seven except for the Bucks. I was going to say, the, do the Bucks at nine and three. Seeing everyone beneath them, four games, it looks like any five and seven team on on this list. If you look at the overall picture, probably won't make the play. I don't see any of those teams making a run. They would, it would, they would need to win out to get a wild card, and they would need the Vikings to lose, Washington to lose, mm-hmm. and the Niners to lose, which is not likely. It's looking look more and more like Washington and Philly could potentially, you know, be in the hunt at the end. The way we could, playing. if the 49ers pooped the bed, we could have three. NFC East. Well, yeah. In the playoffs. That's that wild. Crazy? My thought is I think that it'll be, obviously, I think the Packers will win, the Bucks will win, Cowboys and the Cardinals. And then you, your wild cards will be Rams, 49ers, and either A, the Vikings if they step up because they are a good team, but they're just playing not so good. Or Washington. And then the NFC East, there's two teams that could potentially go as well. Personally, I think Washington's better than they've been playing. Mm-hmm. I think their talent on their roster is good. They've been banged up in their defense. They lost their best player. And chase on defense, so it's really hard to do. But their defense has been playing 
they've been very underwhelming. I think that if they can figure it out these next three or four games, then they have a chance of making the playoffs. Yeah. Well, their their upcoming games, once again, as we said, they're mostly divisional. It is Dallas Eagles, Dallas Eagles, four divisional games back to back to yep. back to back. I think th- I, I honestly not putting my homerism aside. I think that we'll split with Washington. Dallas will. That's a tough one. I, d- I don't I don't know defensively they're able to put pressure like they want and if Dak has a chance it to stand matter, up in there it doesn't matter it's divisional I understand I understand but occasionally when weird things happen in the NFL you're able to uh, to get those I don't know I see Washington probably going 500 over that stretch somehow yeah well I think the biggest thing at least for Cowboys Washington is containing Antonio Gibson yeah. we saw his two largest games last year come against the Dallas Cowboys obviously a better defense now better team they have Dak. They can they can compete against this team who's not the number one defense like they were for that stretch mm-hmm. when they played the Cowboys. So I think number one thing is containing Gibson and making sure that Terry McLaurin doesn't absolutely go off in this game as well. Hundred percent. And one thing I want to add is I believe this will be the first Sunday that we're going to see three different rushers coming. Gregory, Tank, and of course Parsons are all going to be coming for the first time yeah. healthy. We haven't seen that before. And Josh, as you famously said, Parsons is an edge rusher, should not be dropping back in coverage. And since we've used him in that way, he's been great. But he's been one of two or one of one yeah. at that. And now having our guys back, I think that that rush could finally gel at the yeah, right time. I think he'll rotate out with Gregory. Or, I mean, if Lawrence is still hurt, he'll still rotate with him. But mostly yeah. when he's a linebacker, he does blitz a lot. So he might be blitzing yeah. a lot more if you see him I think as a he linebacker. He has the most QB hurries from a rookie in like the past two or three years, I believe. Mm-hmm. And right now he's looking like defensive player of the year as a rookie, defensive yeah, th- rookie of the year. The thing is, is he's, he's been one of the best rookie edge rushers in, in NFL history. And he just needs, yeah. he needs to continue to be an edge rusher, whether it's blitzing. I know everyone drops back in coverage occasionally. I just don't think he's as good as a he's coverage very player. very Von Miller-esque. Yeah. And you can see he runs, he runs a four, four flat. He's one of the highest graded athletes of all time to come in at the position, mm-hmm. let alone linebacker, edge rusher, whatever. He just needs to stay at rushing the passer. We know he has yeah. 10 sacks Our right only now. critique on him coming into the to Dallas was coaching, and it looks like it's working yeah, I didn't out. Want it, I didn't want it to be like a Hassan Reddick type scenario. Hassan right. Reddick was a great pass rusher. He came in the league. He started playing inside linebacker for no reason. Last year of his contract, Cardinals put him on the edge, and he got like double-digit sacks, and now he's getting a ton of money from the Panthers being an edge rusher. And, Josh, not, I know you won't toot your own horn, so I'll do it for you, but you, you looked over at us during the draft, Caleb and I being Cowboy fans, and saying – that's the wrong pick for you because he's an edge rusher and you're going to put him in coverage. And we did, and he wasn't so good. And you're absolutely right. Now that he's in the right position, he's doing a great job. I'm looking forward to that one, guys, in terms of them playing Washington because I think having Gallup and, and having Cooper and having Lamb healthy at the same time, haven't seen that a lot this year. And then having, like I said, Gregory and Lawrence and Parsons on the field, ah, those are game I'm just excited not to see Noah Brown out there anymore. <laughs> I agree. Hey, we're going to jump into a segment called Inside the Stats. This is a segment where we dive a little deeper into some interesting and telling stats. Josh, what do you have for us this week? Yep, we're going to dive right into the current players' stats right now. We're going to go with the wide receivers. Cooper Cup currently just hit the 100 catch mark. It has 1,366 yards. We have Justin Jefferson, 1,209 yards. Devontae Adams, 1,083. Debo Samuel, 1,006. Jamar Chase, 958 those are the top five. Right behind them, we have Hill, Godwin, Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson, and Stephon Diggs. Next for the running backs, you have Jonathan Taylor, 1,348. You have Joe Mixon, 978. You still have Derrick Henry, 937. Not going to count him as an active player. Nick Chubb, 867. Antonio Gibson, 800. And Najee Harris, 779. Behind them, you have Dalvin Cook, injured. Ezekiel Elliott, Lamar Jackson, Elijah Mitchell, and Damian Harris. Uh, next for passing, you have Tom Brady. 
He jumped Derek Carr again. They're having a game at the top. They keep switching one and two right now. Tom Brady, 3,771. Derek Carr, 3,663. Matthew Stafford, 3,611. Justin Herbert, 3,547. And Patrick Mahomes, 3,384. Behind them, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, and Carson Wentz. And now we're going to slide into the defense. For sacks, you have TJ Watt with 16. Miles Garrett with 14. Matthew Judon, 12.5. Nick Bosa, 12. Trey Hendrickson, 11.5. Now for the tackles, you still have Bobby Wagner, 137. You have Olakun for the Falcons, I believe, 135. And Perriman with 133. He was on a bye week last week. That's why he moved down from 2 to 3. For forced fumbles, you have Josh Norman. Surprisingly, he's been at the top of the list all year. (laughs) Wow. He has 7. Darius Leonard has 5. TJ Watt has 4. Marcus Golden and Joey Bosa join him with 4. Next, you have interceptions. Same list it's been for the last five weeks. Trevon Diggs, 9. J.C. Jackson, 7. Jordan Poyer, 5. Ori Warrior, 5. McKinney, 5. And Bayard, 5. Bayard, coming back off a bye, should be healthy this week. Should be able to play and productive. Hopefully, move up the stat line. For the next stats, I want to talk about Defensive Player of the Year. We know that Aaron Donald normally just gets Defensive Player of the Year for whatever reason, because Aaron Donald. But he <laughs> has Donald, he has been yeah. getting a lot of sacks recently, but this year, not quite as many. And I want to talk about the number two defensive tackle in the league this year, Cam Hayward. Uh, we're going to compare their stats very quickly. Cam Hayward has 86 tackles, and Aaron Donald has 91. Cam Hayward, six and a half sacks. Aaron Donald, seven. Ha- Hayward, one interception. Donald, zero. Two for, or one forced fumble for Hayward, two for Aaron Donald. Ten tackles for loss for Hayward, nine tackles for loss for Donald. They're essentially the same player so far this year. The only difference is five tackles toward Donald and a half sack towards Donald as well. They're, they're playing at a very similar level, both top two defensive tackles. I think if you're giving it to Aaron Donald, you also have to give it to Hayward because they're playing exactly the same so far. Well, T.J. Watt has 16 sacks, so he should get it. Yeah, is he yep. in the conversation here? Or he should gonna, be. Yep, yeah. and I think the reason he hasn't been is because he's injured, but I'll get into T.J. Watt right now as well. T.J. Watt. He has one, 1.6 sacks per game right now. He's only played nine and a half games. He has the highest average in the league right now. QB hits, 2.6 per game, highest in the league. 1.6 tackles for loss per game, highest in the league. 3.7 QB pressures per game, highest in the league. 4.7 tackles, that is second in the league for edge rushers per game. Forced fumbles, 0.4 per game, highest in the league. 0.4 passes defended per game, that is also first. Uh, he's just... He's playing like the best the defense best player defensive in the league. Is he just league? better than everybody yeah. else? And he, hasn't he missed? He's been hurt. He's dealing with yep, the groin he's, issue. He's and played an nine, nine and a half games. Yeah. That's, yeah that's he was the sack leader last year with 15 sacks. He has 16 and nine and a half games right now. Now listen to this. Mm. Most sacks per game ever. Reggie White, 0.85. TJ Watt, 0.91. Let's go. He has the most sacks per game ever by any player ever right now. If he continues the pace, we'll see what happens. But T.J. Watt is also the first player with 13 sacks in four consecutive seasons since, guess who? Reggie White. Minister of Defense, for yep. those of you in the back. His 16 sacks this season tie James Harrison for the most sacks by a Pittsburgh Steeler in one season. He's now basically done everything that the Steelers can do. He's just racing to be the number one in total for that team of sacks. On a team that has sacks. legendary, sacks legendary defenders. Yep. Legendary. Yeah. Yep, his 1.6 Average, if he basically at the end of the season he'll have eight more sacks. That'll put him over Michael Strahan's 22 and a half. He's on pace for 24, only playing nine and a half so far. We're in week 14. He's on pace to break the sack record, not playing an entire season. Mm. Missing two games, right? Two and a half games, something like that. Yep. 
And next, we're going to move on to the same, same division, Ravens. We're going to go to the Ravens here. We know they've not been playing very well at all recently. Ravens over, to, Ravens over the last four games have been mm -hmm. averaging 15 points. That's obviously not very good, and they've lost a lot of those games so far. But aside from those last four games that the Ravens have played and scored under thir or, or averaged 15 points, sorry, in four games since 2018, they've only done that four times. They just did that four times in a row. They've doubled their four-year total in four games. They're not playing well at all right now. And you look at Lamar Jackson over that span. He's thrown six interceptions to three touchdowns. He's only played in three games because he was sick in one of them. Huntley and Jackson over that span have also been sacked 19 times. When you look at the whole season, prior to that, Jackson was only sacked 24 times up until that stretch. They've almost doubled their sack total in four games as well. They're not playing well at all right now. Yeah, it's a... Uh you know the Ravens and who they've won and lost against is certainly a telling tale if you look at their teams that they've actually played thank you Josh great job as always hey we're going to move into another section of our show we're going to give you our locks for week 14 mm. there's lots of good games as we get into the home stretch who wants it guys somebody I'll, I'll throw a lock it. at me it's one that I'm gonna get roasted for all right it's 50 50 but I'm locking it in Baltimore versus Cleveland Ooh. Baltimore is gonna win it they're playing in Cleveland in the dog pound it's going to be a rough game. Lamar's been playing terrible. He's had seven picks the last two weeks, I believe. Not playing very well. They have no corners, as Harbaugh said. Yeah. It's going to be a rough game. I think it's going to be low scoring again. Like Again. Excuse the voice crack, y'all. Again. Again. Yeah. We're grown people, too, and this happens yeah, to all of us. It's the whole hand be line. Yeah, it's a curse. Well, it's a divisional game. It can go either way. That's why I said it's 50-50. It's in Cleveland, so it's even harder for Baltimore. They're playing bad. I think they bounce back and win this game. I'm locking them in. Yeah, at the time we record the podcast, Cleveland is two and a half favored at home to beat Baltimore. Josh, locking in an upset. Locking in the upset. Wait a minute. You're locking and upsetting. Mm -mm. The double whammy? I'm, that's, I have an upset later, but oh, this, I'm locking this in. This is an upset and you're, this you're locking. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Let's go dangerous. All right, Josh, give me one. Yep, for me, I'm picking the, the Chargers over the Giants. I know it's very easy, but I'm saying this because I think it's one of the largest locks of the year so far. They are playing at SoFi Stadium, and they are playing against a very hurt quarterback room the for the Giants. Dance. Yeah, for the Giants. We don't know who's going to be starting this game. Daniel Jones, injured neck. Mike Jake Glennon, Fromm, the pool Mike guy. Glennon, injured neck, and Jake Fromm potentially starting if Daniel yeah. Jones cannot start. He's obviously never started in the league. Georgia Pride, baby. This far. But when you look at the Chargers and the Giants... The number one receiver for the Giants this year in terms of yards, Kenny Galladay, 409. Guess who also has 400 yards for the Chargers? Say it isn't so. Jared Cook, oh, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen. Everybody. Jalen Guyton <laughs> almost has that with 18 catches. Wow. So the problem is they're not a good passing team. Their quarterback is probably not going to be playing. They're going to have a guy who was released from the Bills, never played it and started in a game, Jake Fromm. This is not a great league coach team joe judge is going to get out coached in this game the only guy on their quarterback in their quarterback room with an average size neck by the way yeah there's no doubt i think i said it last week the average length of the necks of the quarterbacks there it's yeah. ironic jones and glennon they got some they win baby they're, giraffes, they're both man. in concussion protocol as well I want, they need to do the, a test on that longer the neck the higher chance you get of having your head cut off <laughs> in the nfl you know figures okay speech. what i'm saying is bottom four team in terms of points scored giants Chargers are top 10. Yards per game, Giants are 26th. Points per game, 18th. Right, Passing we get it, yards we get per it. game, You really 20th. think the Chargers are... Rushing game, <laughs> 26th. Giants, man, leave them alone. No, no, I love it. I like it when they're bad, but leave them alone. They're, yeah. they're bottom, they're bottom <laughs> Don't eight. Don't tell them that they're bad. Bottom eight in every stat. Their receivers are injured. 
Kenny Galladay. There's about four or five guys that have done the same thing as Galladay on the Chargers. But he's getting paid more than them. Yeah, they're not at home. This is not. This is not a game they're going to win. So what you're saying is there's no chance the Giants are beating the Chargers. I, I don't see it unless Jake Fromm is better than Justin Herbert. He's clearly not. But hey, man, he went to the national championship. <laughs> yeah, Oregon only went to the playoffs. <laughs> One reason would have worked, Josh. But I, gosh, I love that you know every reason why the Chargers are going to win. I, you know, mine's always cut and dry. Uh, I'm going with an also lopsided uh, line here. Tennessee is currently favored at. Nine to beat Jacksonville. Ooh. Tennessee's going to beat Jacksonville. As you said, Jacksonville's just not hey, a very good man. football team. Jacksonville beat the Bills. And Tennessee is going to get this win uh, for sure. And I think it's it's super important in their own race for that division because they need to stay a game or two ahead of the Colts. So that's my lock, Tennessee. All right. Upsets. Caleb, I know you got – well, yours is an upset, but you're going to give me an yeah, upset. Yeah, I got, I got Vegas over the Chiefs. Chiefs currently favored at nine and a half at home. It's a massive line. Hard to beat them in Arrowhead, but I think you have a hot take you're going to give us in a minute, so I'll wait for that. Yeah, but I think Vegas can win. They okay. they split the last two years, I think, and they beat them in Arrowhead last year, and they drove around the stadium and did like a parade thing. Remember that? Goes riding the whip? I don't know. <laughs> All right, Josh, what's your upset? Uh, for me, I usually don't bet against this team, but I will this time. I'm going to pick the Buffalo Bills over the Buccaneers. They're very similar in terms Ooh. of points scored. Buccaneers only score three more points per game than the Bills. The Bills also are the second-best defense in the league right now. The Buccaneers are middle of the pack. They're 16th, surprisingly. Very good at stopping the run. They say that, but they just got destroyed by Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. They kind of pick and choose who they want to defend, apparently. Yards per game, the Buccaneers are only a few more than the Bills. I think they're believed to be 20, 20 more yards than them. Passing game is pretty similar, but surprisingly, the, the rushing game for the Bills does produce more yards because of Josh Allen from the running game than the Buccaneers do, and the time of possession also goes towards the Buffalo Bills. I think this is a big game. I think this is going to be very close or similar to what the Buccaneers had to play in Week 1 against the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to be throwing a lot. It's going to be a high-scoring game. I think this is a chance for the Bills to take over on this game while their defense is still better. I know it's Tom Brady, but I feel comfortable with Josh Allen in this matchup. Not in the snow. <laughs> yeah, not in the swirling win in, in their last game. Uh, all right, great. Let me see. This one I labored with, but one of you guys convinced me and reminded me that, that Big Ben is Mr. December. So that said, the Vikings are currently favored by three at home. This, I think, is the start of the Mike Zimmer getting fired campaign. Um, even though they're favored and they're at home, they should have a bounce back week against a Pittsburgh Steelers team that doesn't look to be too impressive this year with an aging Ben Roethlisberger. I think Big Ben gets it done and Minnesota will lose. So that is my upset. Pittsburgh will win. Yeah, and you can't forget about the classic Kirk Cousins in primetime narrative. Oh, yeah. They don't perform well. I think he's 8-17 and 17 in primetime. They even lost to backup Cooper Rush against Dallas. He just got outplayed by him somehow in that matchup, and he's just played down in primetime for the most part his whole career. So there's another game for him to mess up on Thursday. <laughs> Not a surprise. All right, guys, I understand you have some hot takes. Caleb, was, was yours dealing with that Las Vegas matchup? Yep, it is Derek Carr. He's going to outperform Mahomes statistically. All right. Derek Carr's going to have a better game. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll put up some stats for it. I think I have three touchdowns, 328 yards. Whoa. Okay. And a, one pick because their defense is playing very you good. You said three touchdowns and, and 328, 328 yards for Derek. Okay. They've never lost a game. He's thrown over 300 yards this yep. year. I was about to pull that out of my butt, too, and say that. but Well, they don't have to. Josh, pull it out of your <laughs> butt for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, for me... I'm going to say, as I was just talking about the Chargers, I think they'll force four turnovers in this game. 
whoever's playing quarterback for the Giants. I don't think Mike Glennon's available, but Jake Fromm, Daniel Jones, doesn't matter. We know they both can turn over the ball pretty well. This is going to be a four-turnover game for the Chargers, and I hope, I don't know, will be picks, fumbles? I don't know. Depends if Daniel Jones is playing. Uh, good good spot for their defense to rebound. <laughs> That's a terrible It depends on if he's playing. If he's playing, it's probably more fun. He masks his passing badge with badage. Fumb- fumbling. <laughs> with good fumbling. We're adding new words here. Yeah, we're creating stuff. <laughs> uh, badage. I'm going with uh I'm going with uh, Gallup who is healthy apparently. And any good coach is going to try to take out your best weapons, and that means you're going to try to put a body on Coop, and you're going to try to put a body on Lamb. That said, I don't think Washington have enough good bodies. I think Gallup healthy is going to have a good day. My hot take is that Gallup will have more touchdowns than his counterparts, Lamb or Cooper, combined. I think you'll have a hot day. So that is my hot take. All right, moving into a segment that we like to call drum roll, please. No drum roll? Man. We didn't do our fart noise either. Isn't that our new thing that people no, think I we're just, actually... Just for Jalen Smith. Just for Jalen... Okay, anytime Jalen Smith, we got our... Just kidding, machine. but... The segment we like to call Educated Guests. It's waiver wire players that you might want to keep your eyes on again. They're not average waiver wire. Caleb, you're deep diving into this. What do you got for us this week? I got five today. I'm going to start with my first one. It is... Jamichael Hasty running back for the 49ers. We saw Jeff Wilson re-aggravate his knee this week. Not good. We thought he would be that backup to Elijah Mitchell, maybe in a committee. He's out. We don't know how long or if any, but he is definitely nursing a knee injury again, which is not good. Trey Sermon we saw go on IR with an ankle, and Jamichael Hasty is 1% owned in Yahoo, and he looks to be the handcuff or the third down back to Elijah Mitchell. And I know Elijah Mitchell's in concussion protocol right now, as of this recording. So Jamichael should be on someone's bench in your league. Should be yours. So you should pick him up. He's 1% owned. Number four, I have Austin Hooper. Surprisingly, he's 21% owned. A lot of people have cut him. He was a top 10 tight end last year with the Browns. And people are cutting him because he's really not in the rotation right now. But the reason he's on this list is because David Njoku is on the COVID list. He's looking like he's not playing. And Harrison Bryant is out already of this game with an ankle injury. So Austin Hooper could be the factor in this offense. They have no receivers other than DPJ and Jarvis Landry, and they're probably going to be running a lot. And Austin Hooper is going to be a good RPO option for him. I think Baker Mayfield, That's he got all this money, and Baker Mayfield used him last year. He should be using this offense. So if you're desperate for a tight end, no Dallas Goddard's on a bye week, look for Austin Hooper. Number three, I have Amir Abdullah. He is on Carolina. We saw him. McCaffrey got hurt two weeks ago. They just had a bye. He had six opportunities in one quarter. He had four targets and two rushes. He's getting a lot of targets, which is good to see because Chuba Hubbard did not receive those targets that Amir Abdullah did. And it looks like it's going to be a committee moving forward because we saw Hubbard as the workhorse and he was not that productive. Not as productive as people thought he would be. So I think it's going to be a committee. If you need a running back or a flex, look for Amir Abdullah for PPR especially. Number two, I have Amon Ross St. Brown. We saw him break out finally. He had 10 catches on 12 targets, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Clutch touchdown for their first win. He's had 64 targets this year, which is a ton. He's 6% owned, and he's starting to get in this role in this offense as the dump-off guy, which is very good, for, especially with Jared Goff, who loves to do that. He's had 64 targets, which is a lot for a rookie receiver, and I think he's finally emerging as the number one option for this team, especially with Swift being out besides Hawkinson, but he is getting a ton of targets, 64. It's very good. Look for Monroe St. Brown for PPR, especially if you need a receiver. And then number one, drum roll, he is a tight end, Tyler Conklin. He is the tight end for Minnesota. He's been very good. I This is a hot take. 
Get ready for it. Another one. I think he will have a stretch like Tyler Higby had last year. As he's going to get multiple touchdowns, I believe. I think he's very good. Thielen's out for two to four games with an ankle. We don't know how long. He's had also had 64 targets this year. Last game, he got nine targets with Thielen, leaving the game seven catches, 56 yards. Tyler Conklin and Kirk Cousins obviously have a connection. They've been throwing his way a lot. He's going to be very good, in my opinion. If you're desperate for a tight end, I know Logan Thomas just got re-hurt. Dallas Goddard's on a bye. If you need a tight end this week, look for Tyler Conklin. He's 20% owned somehow. I don't understand it. But he's been getting a ton of looks in this offense, and he's looking to be very productive as a tight end. So let me recap. Five, Jamichael Hasty. Four, Austin Hooper. Three, Amir Abdullah. Two, Amonra St. Brown. And one, Tyler Conklin. Awesome. Great job as always, Caleb. Hey, we're going to move into a segment that we like to call Buy or Sell. Super, super simple. I'm going to make a statement. The guys are going to tell me if they are buying or selling. Also, check out our Instagram, Guys Without Helmets, of course. And we want to know what you think. So we're going to post these throughout the week. And we want to get some feedback from you as well. All right, here we go. Let's get started with this one. Based on the horrific Monday night game, the Bills have peaked as a team. The Buffalo Bills, we've seen them peak already as a team. Buying or selling? I will go on a limb, and I think I'm going to buy. I think they've been figured out. I think it's pretty clear, especially to the average viewer, that Mm -hmm. the run game is definitely their weakness. And for this year, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a big problem for them. And I think they've been exploited with Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor and then three backs on Monday night from the New England Patriots. Mm -hmm. They only threw the ball three times. I think it's very obvious what their weakness is. They play Lenny this week. I think playoff Lenny gets into form this week and goes crazy. (laughs) I think that, yeah, I think that they have peaked as far as they can up until the offseason. If yeah. they don't fix this defensive problem, then Josh Allen's not going to be able to do anything outside of what he's doing. He's been having to do a lot for the team, and they don't really have a run game themselves. So I yeah. think that we've seen them peak as far as they can right now. They're not going to—I don't think they're going to be much better than we've seen this year. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say <clears throat> bye as well. I think the best they're going to be was last year, and I think they're still a good team. I think they have a chance to win against the t- the Buccaneers this week, but the rest of the year. The schedule is not very easy at all. And you're just talking about the running game. I believe since Josh Allen's been there, they only had two games with a 100-yard rusher. That's not including whatever Josh Allen's done. Mm-hmm. But one of those games is also Frank Gore, 34 years old, 100-yard <laughs> game against the New England Patriots. It was a random game. I don't know how he did it, but old man Frank well, Gore he got it done. He got yes. it done. <laughs> but they, they, as you're saying, they don't have a running game, and they've been figured out several games now. And, uh, yeah, I just think they peaked out last year, and I think that they'll get a running back soon in this draft, whether it's Spiller, Hall, Walker, whoever. They need to add to that running game as they keep cycling in Breida, Moss, and Singletary. Those guys just are not the answer for this team, and they need one that will work well with Josh Allen as that's a priority, and I think that they have peaked as well. Hey, I've been saying it for a year. They should just trade for Saquon. Get it over with. I, I think <clears throat> not, you know, a, not a long move. I always <laughs> preach that. Winning in the NFL is a is a progression. You can always fluke it like Brad Johnson, the Bucks, and win back then, and win for one year. Dilfer and the Ravens, and you know I think those were fluke teams, not championship teams necessarily. Their defenses were great, but I digress. I think you always grow as a team. You start to see teams rise, you know. And I've seen Buffalo rise. They started off with better coaching, better choices, better player movements. They brought in a young quarterback that was probably the most talented arm of the quarterbacks he was drafted with, but maybe not the best quarterback choice at that time. And I think we've seen him progress every year. He's getting better, slowly getting better. His numbers 
everything that's tangible about Josh Allen has gotten better. I think the two things that have not gotten better with this team, and just like you can take it to the bank that Mike Tomlin is going to draft and find wide receiver talent that's out there, I think the Bills are the opposite. They can't find a running back. You know, if Eric Dickerson was reborn and dropped in their lap at 22. You're telling me you don't like Rob Ryan? I don't think they're doing a good job at addressing the running back position that's been a gaping hole for several years, and they're not doing a good job at helping that offensive line. Initially, as you both you both nailed it, they, they have not improved on defense enough. Again, teams get progressively better. And other than Josh Allen, this team has not gotten that better. So I'd like to see them make some moves aggressively, or else I do agree with you guys. I'm buying – at this time, unless they make those groups, moves, they have peaked. Yeah, and I'm a big fan of Brian Dable as the offense coordinator, but I'm not a big fan of Sean McDermott. I just, mm-hmm. I just think he's a guy. Unfortunately, for he's a jag. I just, just a guy. Yeah, I, guy. I don't know. I, I'm. He seems like a nice guy, but I just don't think he's as big of as like a, a football mind as people think he is. I think it's more of the coordinators, which is a lot of coaches like that. But mm-hmm. I just, I don't like him as much as most people do. But the games where you see the Bills hype really come through is when they play games like Miami. The Tua-less, Tua-less, Tua-less. Dolphins, Less. they scored 35-0. to zero. Mm-hmm. Okay, They played Washington, 43 points. They played Houston, 40-0. to zero. They played Tennessee, lose. They played Pittsburgh, lose. Kansas City, lose. They lost to the Jags somehow. <laughs> but they dropped 45 on the Jets, and then everyone's, woo! So really what you're saying is they, they destroy horrible football teams, and they lose to reputable Any football. playoff saying, team, they their, lose to. Their value yeah. goes from, are they even that good, to these guys are amazing because they play they play really good teams and they don't do as well, and they play really bad teams. They do very well, and people don't know how to mm-hmm. think necessarily. So I think it's very confusing because they do play so many. I mean, they play the Jets twice. They played, two, they played the Dolphins twice without Tua. Right. And right. they play the Lions, the Washington, Houston. They haven't played very good teams, and everyone rides you. the wave yeah. of high to low. Y'all didn't reply to my Rob Ryan jab. No. Rob Ryan. I'm not a Ryan fan. He was only there for one year, I think, 2016. Yeah. Well. All right, let's move to the next one. So we want to hear from you, Instagram. Give us your feedback when we post this out. All right, next one. The Baltimore Ravens are in jeopardy of losing their playoff spot. Buy or sell? Oh, I'm going to buy. I think that the AFC is so tight with the AFC West and the AFC North and the AFC East. The Dolphins are making a run right now. I think that the Bills are definitely going to be vouching for a wild card spot. The Chargers, Raiders, Broncos are all still on the hunt. The Colts are in the hunt. The Bengals, the Steelers, and the Browns are all on the hunt. I think any if they have another bad game and they lose, if they lose two out of these next three games, they're going to lose their spot. I think, I think the Bengals are creeping up on them. They're one game behind them. And I think the Bengals could honestly. Who are they playing this week? I mean Pittsburgh, San Francisco. They can beat San Francisco. They I have think a, essentially a two game lead. Yeah. Two games. Yeah, it's it's tight. There's yeah. too many people behind them. I think if they continue the way they're going, they're definitely going to lose out. Especially mm-hmm. if they get knocked down to losing their division. I don't think there's enough wild card spots to go around for them. They need to get their act together, like John Harbaugh said. They need to figure out defensively what they're doing. I think that they. Personally, they will get the spot, but I think they are in jeopardy of losing it if they don't figure it out. Yeah, I would agree exactly with what you just said. I think I don't think they're going to lose a spot in the playoffs. I think they can lose the number one spot in the division, but they do not have an easy slate of games upcoming like the Pittsburgh Steelers do, and that might be the reason why they move not into the number one spot for the AFC North. But when you look at the Ravens, they do play another divisional game right now, Cleveland this week. They also get... Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, they get the Cincinnati Bengals, another divisional game, and then the L.A. Rams to top it off. 
Those are they could lose every single one of those games. If I'm being honest with you, I mean one and three might be a stretch even. Those are all top twelve defenses yep. as of now. Those are all good teams right now. They're all in good contention, and especially if they're losing two of those, which are divisional games, that just makes it even tighter for this yeah. division. And when you look at other teams, let's just take a look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are playing the Minnesota Vikings. It's a win. The worst defense in the league right now. It's a win because of last week. And then they played the Tennessee Titans, second worst defense in the league right now. They're filled with injuries. They've lost to the Jets and the Texans. Not a very good team right now. And they also play Cleveland and Kansas City. They could go three and four in that slate. They could go one and three in that slate. That's why I said it's too tight to say they're going to lock it in. why they play the game. I think they'll lock it in, but I think it's it's probably a 51% chance they do win the division. I think there's a 49% chance they don't make the playoffs. I think it's a thin line right now. Yeah, I just, there, there's a lot of easy games for the Steelers in comparison to the other four, or the other three, sorry. Ravens have two very hard matchups, Rams-Packers. Bengals have some hard matchups. They're, they Everyone has divisional matchups right now, so it's going to be very tight for probably the tightest division in the league right now, but I'm going to say they, they are in jeopardy, but I don't think they'll lose it. Is it safe to say that they have to win their division to be guaranteed a chance to get into the playoffs? That's the whole AFC right yeah. now. Because the problem is if they stall out and lose three of these games, or two of them, just say Packers mm-hmm. and Rams, very losable That's games, yeah. especially in the state that they're in right now, 15 points a game. Mm-hmm. If they lose those two and the Steelers and the uh, Browns win their divisional games, then the game, the whole division is going to be with the same record. Yeah, I think it's well documented that I'm old, and you guys constantly remind me that the new quarterback generation are these run-and-gun style guys that can just run over everybody and pass over everyone. So I enjoy watching them play, but I think they are much like the Bills. If you look at some of their wins, they're not against the greatest teams, and they've had some opportunities to win that slipped away. And I think a sign of a great team, of course, is winning those clutch games. I'm buying all day long. I think that they're in jeopardy. Uh, It's a very good chance that they will not win their division. All right, moving on. Gardner Minshew will get another shot as a starter in the NFL. I'm going to sell. Oh. I don't think he's that good. Unless he goes to the Saints. There's an asterisk behind what I said. Mm. But I'm selling. I don't think he's that consistent. I think he's a good quarterback. He's a great football mind. He's very smart. I can see him being a coordinator in 10 years, like Helen Moore did. He's a good, smart. He's a nice guy. That doesn't really matter with his play. He's not consistent. He left the Jacksonville Jaguars. They drafted somebody. It's obviously Trevor Lawrence, who's generational, Mm -hmm. arguably, and he's clearly better than Gardner Minshew. But he's been replaced, and I don't think he's has it what what it takes to be a starter full okay. term. I don't I don't believe in it. I mean he was rotating with um somebody not as good as him. Yeah. He wasn't I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in him. Up. I don't believe okay. in him. Sorry. So, so you are selling. Yep. Josh? I I'm gonna buy. I think he's gonna get another shot. I don't think it's gonna last very long. I mean we're seeing Taylor Heineke who are very very similar player come off the bench and be a starter for a year and he's doing he's doing good. He's doing he's doing actually good for a backup mm-hmm. type player. And that's exactly what you should expect from Gardner Minshew. I think he'll get a shot for a team that's replacing quarterbacks, kind of like what the Broncos did. They didn't want to pay up for somebody, even though they had every right and possibility to do so. They did not want to pay up for a quarterback, and they got Teddy Bridgewater, who's had five chances at this point. So I think Gardner Minshew will get a shot with a team maybe like the Giants. They're done with Daniel Jones. They can get a free player like Gardner Minshew. I think he's only made like seven hundred grand his career. He's not getting paid a lot. So they could take a shot on a guy like Gardner Minshew for one year, move on from Daniel Jones. If he works out, he could start there for the next couple of years. Yeah, I think the peak of his career could be like a Fitzmagic type role. He's yeah. going to be a plug-and-play starter for people once mm-hmm. one year and maybe half a year. Someone gets hurt, they'll trade for him or sign him to fill in like Fitzmagic's been doing. I don't see him as a full-time starter, though. I think he'll be a journeyman. He's already been on two teams, so I think he can keep moving around. You know, 
I heard someone say, and I have not validated it. So, guys, if, if you're listening again, post it on the Instagram. We'd love to hear if this is true or false. I'm, I didn't research it because it sounded ludicrous to me. Prove me wrong if you want to. But over the first 21 starts or however many Gardner's had now, compared to Dak Prescott, that their numbers are super favorable. Numbers can be used for or against you. They can be manipulated. I get that. But what, what doesn't sit well for me is I don't think he really had a chance to start against uh, Trevor Lawrence in that regime. I think it was a foregone conclusion. So I don't think he had a chance. I also don't think he was in Jacksonville when they were a solid team. I, I think they haven't been good, essentially. When? I know they haven't been good <laughs> while he's been there. Um, now, that said, I realized, too, that they beat up on the Jets yesterday. And like we said, the Bills beat up on him, too. It doesn't mean anything. I do believe that he has played well enough that he will get an opportunity to start. Caleb, I like what you said. Actually, I hadn't thought about that. If New Orleans is knocking with a great coach like that, Garner can make the throws, and he's pretty smart. And I think what he's I was – He's one of the smartest players. That's also exactly what got Teddy Bridgewater another job was yeah, that situation. 100%. Now, I, let me tell you what I think he got. He has against him. He's got a clown image that goes in the room before he does. And people see the mustache and, and the photo shoots and some of the garbage that he does for fun. And it's probably for fun. I think it's fun. I, I'm down with that. But as a professional football player, I think people see that. I mean, for, for Pete's sake, he dressed up like Top Gun on his way in and out of the stadium <laughs> yesterday. And, it, you know, I get that there's some, there's some, you know, some Hollywood. You don't like Daisy that. Dukes and Timberlands? Bro, you know, you be you. But I guess what I'm saying is that can, that can hurt him. I'm going to buy. I, I think that he is a legit quarterback talent. He is smart. I'm not saying he's a franchise guy or smart enough to start. I don't know any of that. I haven't seen, honestly, him in the right scenario. But I'm going to say that he is going to get another chance in the NFL. Yeah, and just something I wanted to add about the, the Dak and Gardner comparison. You do look at that team and how bad they were. They were losing games, for example. They won, They lost one game 45-10, to 42-20. to 20. They're 29 to 10. They're 34 to 27. There's there's a lot of games or 40 to 26. There's another one. There's a lot of opportunities in that 2019 season for garbage time, and there's also a lot of opportunities to pass the ball when they only had three rushing touchdowns. So basically, everything was on his hands for in mm -hmm. terms of scoring and stuff like that. Did do a great job of not turning it over, but their stats are considerably similar their yeah. first season in the league. But they did not look the same whatsoever. Didn't Dak and Minshew have the same college coach? Yeah. Yeah. It went from Mississippi State to Washington State. Yeah, I heard it in passing. Lots going on right now for us, but I heard it in passing, and I, I didn't. I, I kind of blew it off. But I, we'll deep dive. Let's deep dive on that one because I'm curious what 21 starts for Dak versus. Let's deep dive. All right, next question. OBJ can officially blame Cleveland for his low productivity, buying or selling. I'm gonna buy. I think the whole reason that Brown's offense didn't work was because Baker Mayfield felt like he had to force the ball to OBJ. Everyone knew how good OBJ was entering into Cleveland. That's why they traded for him. They clearly knew he was a great player. They traded a young safety for him who is now starting for the Giants. He's unfortunately injured, Jabril Peppers. But they traded a young player and some picks for him, and they obviously believed in him. But the problem here was that their young quarterback and Baker Mayfield could not deliver to OBJ. He was not very accurate delivering to him. We could see there's plenty of balls overthrown or thrown behind them. They just didn't have a connection whatsoever. And we see now that the Browns' offense is substantially better in games last year when he was injured without Baker Mayfield as they had a long push and great offensive play towards the end of the year. And they're playing a little bit better now without him as well. So I think the biggest problem was the connection there. I think, yeah, he can blame the Browns for that, but I think that it's just better that they're not together anymore. I am going to sell. I think it's Beckham's fault that Beckham's bad. Because when you look at him, he hasn't been a top 10 receiver since 2016. 
He's been riddled with injuries. He's fallen off. He's not the same player as he was five years ago. He hasn't produced numbers in five years, guys. It's not the Browns' fault. It was before he left to go to the Browns. He hasn't had more than 1,000 yards. He's had 1,000 yards twice with the Browns. Has not had more than 1,000 yards since 2016. He has not had double-digit touchdowns since 2016. It sounds like it's a him problem and not the team problem. I know he was underutilized in the Browns' offense, but he was also hurt three times there. Him and Baker didn't have a connection. You can blame that, I guess, but he has not produced in five years, five seasons, five years, long time for the NFL. Yeah. I think he's just fallen off. Yeah, yeah I, th- I don't think he's the same player that he was at all. He obviously had, you could say, had the best rookie season for a wide receiver. He only played like 13 games, had the best stats ever. But he was that good the first couple of years with the Giants, and he did have a great connection and a great quarterback in Eli Manning. You could argue whatever you want. He's a potential Hall of Fame talent. He's way better than what he's had so far. And I think going to the Rams, it gives him more, as we're talking about productivity, his productivity the last couple of games is better than it's ever been with the Browns. And I think he can blame the Browns. He only had 28 yards on a touchdown. But he never scored touchdowns on the Browns. He did. That's he, a good point. He did have a he did have a fifty yard <laughs> touchdown the week before. I'm saying they're actually being able to use him early on in this offense. He got thrown into the offense, and he's already playing better than the what he did on the Browns. Yeah. I think that the reason he can blame the Browns is because they could not get the best out of him, and the best out of him is probably not what he used to be. But he's doing a lot better now. I always say good players get theirs. Uh, I don't have an analogy for bad players except blame yourself. I mean, OBJ, as you guys have already said, he had a great rookie year, arguably one of the best. He had an iconic catch on Monday Night Football. Doesn't get much better than that. A catch that a lot of these guys can make, by the way. It was Sunday night. Well, it was in primetime. It was on a national game was, against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, Chris Collins forget. Yeah. But my Carr. point being is when you make a play like that against America's team in primetime, it puts you on the map no matter who you are. He could have never had another good play. So I think he's had a lot of things in his favor early on. However, I've watched him, as you've already said, continue to stay injured, to be nonproductive. Uh, you, if you really watch him, he gives up on routes. Uh, he doesn't seem to be a problem in locker rooms. Everyone said he's not a locker room cancer. He's not a problem. People typically like him. And, I, and I'm glad because I was concerned for that after some of those pictures surfaced when he was a Giants. And you know, he hasn't won since that you know picture came out. The boat picture? Yeah, the boat picture. Well, he, the, the Giants are more cursed than he is. Yeah, that's true. But he's part of that curse. I guess what I'm saying is um, we've always said it. Talent is everybody in the NFL is talented. And he's super talented. Uh, but I just don't see it. So I'm going to sell. You don't blame anyone for your low productivity. I just think that he's probably not his best anymore. So, OBJ, sorry, buddy. All right, last one. Listen closely. The New England Patriots are the best team in the AFC. The New England Patriots are the best team in the AFC. I'm buying. They're the only team, I mean only, team in the AFC that has not been streaky. Think about it. The Bills have had terrible losses. They lost to Jacksonville. The Chiefs had a bad stretch. They somehow won those three games that they were playing terrible, okay. but they had a bad stretch. The Ravens right now are in a bad stretch. Mm-hmm. The Bengals are in a bad stretch. The Steelers started out a little rough. They lost to the Browns. Until Ben retires, they're in a bad stretch. Yeah, that's true. The Titans have had terrible losses. The Colts started out slow. The You're Broncos right. are 6-6. Six and six. The Raiders Texas are 6-6. The Jaguars six. are in a bad stretch. Yeah, the Dolphins are in a hot stretch right now, but they started out terrible. That's partially because Tua was out and benched. Right. But the Patriots have remained steady. In this team and this league, they've been playing very well. Mac Jones is consistent; he's not making many mistakes. Their defense is arguably the best in the league. They're playing great. They're coached great. They're just the best team overall, in my opinion. They don't make dumb decisions. They don't lose games that they should win. They're just solid. They do their job. Um, yeah, I'm with you 100. percent Josh, what do you think? I'm going to sell. I personally think the best team has to be very, very good on offense, and I just don't think that's what the New England Patriots are. They have 
couple of good players that I like, but they're not top of the league type players. And I think the the Chiefs will once again get rolling here at some point. I think the biggest problem the Chiefs had at the beginning of the year, poor defensive play, poor secondary play. Sorensen was one of the worst in the league for that stretch, and their offensive line is brand new and young. That's what you're seeing with the Ravens right now. They have a lot of injuries. They lost a lot of great players. They lost their right tackle to the Chiefs, ironically. And their left tackle, who is one of the best in the league, is injured. They also lost Pro Bowl guards over the years. They're plugging and placing in this offensive line, and that's why you're seeing 19 sacks over the last four games. Their defense is injured. Their secondary is not playing very well. Their top two corners are gone. Their number four corner is gone. They have backups playing. They're not playing very well. That's exactly what we saw with the Chiefs, and that's why their slump was so bad. But over the last four games, Kansas City Chiefs have only allowed 39 points. They've allowed 7, 14, 9, and 9. Their defense has really stepped up. Their offensive line has improved. They're one of the best in the league the last four games as well. They also have a rookie center who's playing one of the best in the league right now. He's a top three center in the NFL right now. All they need is this offense to click a little bit more than it has. They've been streaky, but I think if they can string it together, they're the number one team in the AFC still. Let me start by saying, like most of you, I think there are more talented teams. I think the Chiefs, Chargers, Colts, Titans, Ravens, to name a few, are better football teams. I do. However, I'll make it short and sweet. I can't bet against the old ball coach at 9-4. and four. I don't think he has the best rosters. He clearly has a rookie quarterback, an unestablished, unfamous you know, running game, and yet somehow he's able to get these wins against teams that they probably should not be winning against. Guys, coaching matters in the NFL. For that reason alone, I'm buying because right now they're looking at nine and four, best in the entire AFC, and at least for week thirteen, they're the best team in the AFC. Yeah, I, I just think the Chiefs will retake that from them. I think the Colts are going to step up and probably take the AFC South, but I don't think they're the same as the Chiefs. And I think the Patriots are very good, but when you see they played a very talented roster, very good team in the Dallas Cowboys, they did play up but they were not able to take down the Dallas yeah. Cowboys. And there's a lot of great offenses in the AFC right now. So I think it's going to be a, a hard stretch for them during the playoffs. And I think if the, if the Chiefs are hot, once again, the rest of their team that was doing bad in the beginning of the year is playing very well right now. Mm-hmm. If they get out of this complete slump and they play very well, they're very well the number one team in the AFC again. And this goes back, Josh, to what I was saying about good coaching. I, I know McCarthy's been ripped a lot and, you know, at the end of the day, he's really been doing a good job as a coach, and he beat the old ball coach. I mean, that's two good coaches. And you go back and you look at famous games where Belichick clearly outcoached Sean McVay in a Super Bowl, Dan Quinn in a Super Bowl. I mean, those are big stake games where they had every opportunity to lose. And I think that that the coach has proven himself over and over again. Great stuff, guys. We're going to move into our final segment, a segment we like to call Hot and Cold. Real simple. The guys are going to give me a couple of players that they think will be hot for this Week 14 matchup. And they're just going to give me a player or two that they think might be cold that you probably should not start on your fantasy roster. So, Caleb, I believe you have the floor. Give me your first of your hot players. I've been tooting the horn and banging the drum of Kirk Cousins for a couple weeks now. I think that he is arguably one of the most consistent quarterbacks in the league this year. He has 25 touchdowns and three picks and one rushing touchdown. He's throwing an 8-1 to touchdown to interception ratio, which is elite right now. He is 3,400 yards passing. And like I said earlier, every game he's played this year, other than one, has been one possession. They lost Cincinnati 24 to 27. They lost 33 to 34. They won 30 to 17. That's the one. And he they lost 7 to 14. They lost 16 to 20. They lost 31 to 34. They lost 26 to 34. They lost 27 to 29. All I'm hearing for fantasy is that these are close games that they need Kirk Cousins to be on the field. He doesn't make mistakes. He throws. He's going to have to throw. And he throws a lot of touchdowns. Dalvin Cook is still questionable for this game. He's probably not going to play. 
He's going to throw more than normal feelings out. Tyler Conklin, look for him. I talked about him earlier. But Kirk Cousins is looking to be very good. They're playing really close in all these games, and that's mm-hmm. great for fantasy for a quarterback. Yep, for me, I'm going to say Brandon Ayuk. He gets a great opportunity against the Cincinnati Bengals this week. We saw that they played and allowed a ton of yards from Justin Herbert and the Chargers, but the rest of their season is also very easy. Atlanta, Tennessee, Houston, three bottom ten defenses in the NFL right now. He gets a great opportunity this week as well. The last of his couple games were 89 yards, 85 yards, and 91 yards. He also paired two touchdowns with those three games as well. He's been very consistent for this team. He did not have a very good start to the beginning of the year, but he's been very good so far. He's a wide receiver 19 in points per game right now. That's 14 points per game. It's better than Adam Thielen, better than Tyler Lockett, better than a couple other guys that have been number one wide receivers in this league. He's been very productive recently, and he is the number one receiver for this team now. He's playing against great pass rushers this week against Cincinnati Bengals, and uh, George Kittle's not going to be as the number one receiver this week. I think this is a great matchup for him as the outside receiver against the Bengals. Excellent, excellent. Caleb, give me your second hot player. My second hot player is Leonard Lombardi Lenny. Fournette. Your guy. He is your guy. He's great. Listen, he's playing the Bills, who we've been talking about for a few minutes, and Josh has mentioned earlier. They have allowed so many rushing yards. It's kind of sad when you look at their fantasy points allowed to running backs. You look at Michael Carter. He had 90 yards and a touchdown. You look at Derrick Henry, 150 yards, three touchdowns. The Patriots, Damian Harris, 110, one touchdown, and Ramondre, 78 yards. And then Jonathan Taylor, 204 and five touchdowns. Pretty miserable. Lombardi Lenny has been on a streak lately. He's been playing very well. He's been getting a ton of carries. This, this is very good for fantasy. He, was, he went 17 for 103 touchdowns against the Colts, and then they just played Atlanta, and he had 44 rushing yards, 48 receiving yards, and a touchdown. He's been getting every carry in the backfield outside of garbage time, which goes to Ronald Jones. But I think the Bills are terrible at stopping the run. They're going to have to keep themselves honest playing against Tom Brady. who's going to pick them apart. Gronk's back. They're going to have to spread themselves thin. I think that opens up the field for Lenny to run all over him. Yep, I just want to add very quickly about Brandon Ayuk. His or other receivers on the roster, Jawan Jennings, Trent Sherfield, Travis Benjamin, River Craycraft. Very injured wide receiver room. He gets a good opportunity here. My second player is Dalton Schultz. He's currently nine, ninth. He's tied in nine in points per game. That is behind Gronk, Kelsey Kittle, Andrews, Knox, Waller, Hawkinson, Goddard, Schultz. He's right above Kyle Pitts in points per game. He gets a wonderful matchup against the Washington football team. And the Washington football team, as we know, was just the number or the 32 best defense in the league last week. And they allow a ton of yards, a ton of uh, big plays. And I think this is another opportunity with a banged up running back. And they're going to be able to abuse the short passing game against this team, as they obviously have three great stretch receivers. He's going to get a lot of targets in this game. Very reliable, as they have not been reliable on third down. I think they'll finally get that done with Dalton Schultz. All right, I believe we're going to move into our cold section. You guys have two players for me. Let's start with the first. Caleb, who do you think will be cold this week? I think Elijah Moore will be a little cold. I think he's been hot too long. He's been hot for about six weeks now. He's been very good, very productive. I think Zach Wilson's touchdown to him last week was a fluke because they got, I believe it was an 80-yard punt return, kickoff return from Braxton Berrios to open the game. So they just got a gimme touchdown in the red zone. I don't think that's going to happen again. Elijah Moore has yet to be hot outside of that play with Elijah, I mean, Zach Wilson, sorry. He has not been good. So I don't think that he can remain consistent with that, especially with Marshawn Lattimore and New Orleans' defense playing against a rookie like Zach Wilson. I think Zach Wilson is going to have a terrible day against this team. Sean Payton knows who he is, knows what to exploit. I don't think Moore can keep it going. Yeah, for me, I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts. 
He's gone fewer than 75 yards without a touchdown in every single game except for two. And those two games, obviously one against the Jets in London. And he's that's basically all he's done is that London game. And he's been... We all know the type of player that he can be. He is mm-hmm. 21 years old, mm-hmm. but he is going to be taking some time to be that productive guy in this offense where they're playing against a pretty stout defense where Matt Ryan's not very good at avoiding pass rushers. We know Carolina Panthers divisional game, but they're very good at rushing the passer, and they're not going to be able to run. They're not going to be able to pass in this game. I don't think Matt Ryan just has not been good or consistent this year. You cannot rely on Matt Ryan, so I do not want to rely on Kyle Pitts, who once again has gone Fewer than 75 yards and a touchdown in a game, in every single game but two. So I'm going to be benching Kyle Pitts this week. All right. Caleb, your final cold play. I think Devontae Freeman will be cold. I know for fantasy he's been very good, one of the best players for the Ravens right now for fantasy. He's had 16 carries for 50 yards and a touchdown. If he didn't fall into the end zone, that's a stinker, five points. <laughs> then he had 16 carries for 52 yards, no touchdown. That was against Cleveland two weeks ago. So he's not. he didn't play good against Cleveland last time. I don't think he will this time. I think it's going to be a tight divisional game. And then last week he was 14-52 for a touchdown. If he didn't fall in the end zone, that's another five points. He's a touchdown or bust player, and I think Cleveland can hold him out of the end zone. Josh, your final call. <sighs> yeah, for me, I know we've been talking about him, but I'm going to say Odell Beckham. I don't think he's a start in this week. I know they're playing against the Arizona Cardinals. They're going to score a lot of points, but I think they do a great job of containing certain receivers in the matchups. They know they're going to have to they're, – Cooper Cup's going to get his, but they don't want anyone else to do anything against them. And I think the player they're going to target is Odell Beckham. Van Jefferson's been good, but there's been some plays that he could have been better on. So basically all I have to do is contain them. They do a great a job on defense of containing very large plays. They do play a lot of players deep in the secondary. So what OBJ has been good at recently, long plays – not very good against the Arizona Cardinals defense that protect that very well, and I think they're going to contain them in this game. Excellent, guys. Before we wrap up, we always look at Week 14. We just take a look. There are lots of divisional games, obviously some games that could go either way. Uh, Atlanta's in Carolina. We already mentioned that Baltimore's going to be visiting Cleveland, Raiders, and KC. Of course, we've had some upsets in there. But of these matchups, which ones do you guys see stand out? Which one of the games you want our listeners to know they should take a look at? Yeah, I think one of the games that matter the most for the football outlook for the playoffs is the Ravens and the Browns. That game matters a ton because if the Ravens lose and that opens up the entire division for winning that division, especially with Cleveland then being one game behind them. So I think that's very important for that division to see. I think the Steelers will do their work against the Vikings because it's T.J. Watt. I think that's going to be a lot of work for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins has historically been terrible in prime time. He does not win in prime time since he was on Washington to now. He's not good in prime time. I think that the Steelers know that, and they're going to blitz a lot that game. So I think that those those two games really, the AFC North, but I'm really looking at the Ravens and Browns. That determines the division, in my opinion. Yep, I was going to say those top three games, the Steelers, Vikings, Niners, Bengals, Ravens, Browns, it's a big decider, especially for the wild card spot. If the Vikings win, they're back in wild card contention. 49ers, they win. They they pretty much lead the wild card contention aside from the Rams. And then you also have all those divisional games or those four teams in those matchups for the AFC North. I know you're just talking about pass rush, and we talked about them earlier. TJ Watt, every single one of his sacks have not been blindside sacks. So if they put him on the blindside of um, Kirk Cousins, there's a possibility Is Christian Dersaw supposed to be out in this game? I think so. Then it's, it's over. TJ Watt's going to get two sacks. <laughs> 
I'm I telling mean, you. At least. We'll see what happens. Maybe look for a sack on Thursday, potentially from the blind side. He has, he's gotten all of his sacks. You can clearly see him on those sacks so far. But this, this these matchups change up the division a lot, closest uh, division in football right now. And I think this is a great week for a wild card. We get to see who separates themselves from wild cards. I'm excited to see what the Washington football team can do against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, and another important division that's really tight is the AFC West. We see much like the the Baltimore Ravens and the Browns, we see the Chiefs and Vegas playing. Mm-hmm. That determines the division. While the Broncos and the Chargers both play layup matchups in yep. the Giants and the Lions. So that can remain steady for the wild card spots for the Broncos and the Chargers. So depending on the Raiders and Chiefs game, that can determine who's leading that division. Yeah, so Raiders, Chiefs, if they win, then if the Chargers beat the Giants, they have eight wins. And if the Raiders beat the Chargers, or not the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Chiefs would also have eight wins. So you'd have... Two seven and set or two seven win teams, two eight win teams, and it just gets even closer at that point. Yeah, the only thing about the the Raiders, if they happen to beat the Chargers, or I'm sorry, if they happen to beat the Chiefs, Chiefs will stay at eight and four, or I'm sorry, eight and five. They'll go to eight and five. Chargers with a win could catch them and tie. That would still yeah. leave the Raiders a game out. And then the Broncos beat the Lions, and they're still tied with the Raiders if the Raiders win. Yeah. yeah so this this is just an inchworm. The, game. the biggest game is the Chiefs. The Chiefs can take yeah. the lead of this division in this week. If they lose, the division is going to be tight. Tighter than any other division. Yeah, and the biggest thing is they've also lost to the Raiders. If they lose this game, it would be two times the Raiders, and they also yeah. lost to the Chargers already. So they do not control the division wins. Yep. Right, with the so they so have, they have, they have to, win, to win more games. Yeah, a couple games to me, and I, I totally agree. Um, a lot I, of divisional games. Yeah, I think... Now, keep in mind that the Eagles can't help themselves. They're off. Tua, he, his streak ends. He's essentially off, so they're, they're going to take a, a cooler Jets. Uh, New England is off. The Colts are off. All those teams are in the potential to hunt, maybe with the exception of the Dolphins. I say that to say they can't help themselves. The Bills, however, have a great chance to not only prove us wrong, because clearly Tampa Bay Buccaneers are perennial favorite to get back to the Super Bowl. To me, a lot of the Bills' character we're, we're going to learn in this game. It's a game where they get to come back. They're not playing in swirling wind. They're in sunny Tampa. It's a Sunday afternoon in Tampa, probably 75 degrees. It's going to be ideal, short of rain, for them to, to show what they can do. So that game is definitely on my radar. There's other games like Green Bay. They get a free win again. They're not going to lose to Chicago. Yeah, he owns yeah. them. He told yeah. them last Literally, time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just ask Aaron. He owns them. He's not going to lose there. Um, I don't see the you know the Saints losing. I don't see Tennessee losing. So, I mean. Tennessee could lose this game. They lost to the, the I mean, Jets this, and the Texans. This week is a lot of teams you expect to win against easier matches it's right. divisional and games and trap games and i say it and you're right because because again the gods of football could rear their ugly heads and everything be up in the air so there's a that. lot of games that i think are somewhat gimmies like you said broncos over lions that i don't see surprises in folks javante williams is gonna eat them a lot let me say this don't ever look at those games on the schedule and ooh and ah watch the game because that is where the biggest upsets come every time aaron Rodgers thinks he owns somebody they have the chance to win the game. Now, that's a bad analogy because they're going to beat Chicago. It's in Lambeau. They're going to beat Chicago. Time, that's a bad example. It's Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. But watch the football games because these gimmies mean something, and they're probably going to be much better of a competition than we think. Because if are. the Texans beat Seattle, Seattle's toast. They're already kind of toast. They need to win out and the Niners to lose out. Yeah. So they're 100% eliminated if they lose to I'm, the Texans. I'm curious what happens in that Texans-Seahawks game because I <laughs> – I don't know. Just like the Jags-Falcons uh, game a couple weeks ago, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I think more than likely the Seahawks will pull out a win. They're at home playing against a rookie quarterback. If they're, if there's any time for their defense to play very well, it's in, it is in this game where the team is injured and they're playing at home. We know one of the loudest stadiums in the league. They've been playing, playing up. 
their defense. Yeah, yeah. playing very well, and especially against a rookie quarterback. So it should mm. be interesting if the Texans walk out with a win. I I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> they, the, the, this is a great game for the Seahawks to potentially bounce back if they can win every single game afterwards. Well, how that happens is you get a, a rookie quarterback trying to prove something, and I mean, he goes he, in and gets hot. The highest scoring rookie quarterback against Bill Belichick. Yeah, yeah, the old ball coach, Davis Mills. Hey, well, if you enjoy listening to this podcast, please take a moment, write us a review, leave us a five-star rating. It sounds simple, but it really does help us out. Also, remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and make sure you tell your friends about us. We also post a weekly video on YouTube so you can subscribe and follow us there. Finally, if you want up-to-date information and news as it breaks, please follow us on Instagram. As always, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Guys Without Helmets.